Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Greetings of peace, love and light to you and yours, wherever you are in the cosmos. It is 2020. This is our first episode of 2020. So wishing everyone uh, a blessed new year, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, this episode is unique in, in a number of ways. Um, one, it's the first live path and present that we've done. Alhamdulillah, we recorded this at Wasat, which is an organization in Seattle, Washington, that um, Alhamdulillah I've had the blessing of uh, being involved in. And starting this year in 2020, I'm the executive director. Last year in 2019, I was a creative director and involved in that capacity. And uh, Alhamdulillah, I've been involved uh, this year, starting this year, as the executive director. Um, Many of you will know, especially those of you in the Northwest, but for those uh, unfamiliar with Wasset, definitely check out the website, wearewasset.org, and uh, it's a beautiful space um, in Seattle, uh, in South Seattle, dedicated to, um, you know, art, love, and learning. That's the motto, art, love, and learning, and all, all forms of creativity, um, the spiritual path, and, you know, growing intellectually, growing spiritually, etc. So definitely check it out, and you're all invited to visit us in Seattle anytime. Uh, so we recorded this um, at Wasat itself, at our space, and um, alhamdulillah, we, we've been wanting to do some live, you know, podcasts in the sense that, <clears throat> you know, having these conversations with dynamic and interesting people um, and sharing them with the world is wonderful. But we said, well, what, it, what would it be like if we had an interview style um, event with a, with a live audience? So this was our first experiment, and I think it went well, but you be the judge of that, inshallah. Um, so this event, we kicked it off with Brother Isam, who was a local uh, poet and MC. Uh, from Seattle, uh, kicked it off with a piece, and then um, Amir and I get into the conversation. Um, I open it up with a piece of poetry, and then he does a few pieces, and then we comment on them. So this this podcast is very much um, centered around spoken word and poetry. Many of you know Amir is you know one of the you know most respected living uh, spoken word artists. Mashallah, and uh, someone who is uh, very, very talented and respected, deaf poetry jam, and any number of things. But uh, alhamdulillah, so it was great to have him. Um, so before I let you get to the podcast, um, you know, alhamdulillah, just wanted to wish everybody a blessed new year. Um, alhamdulillah, I'm mostly going to be in Seattle this year, but of course we'll be traveling, doing a number of programs. Um, I will be coming to the Los Angeles area uh, this month on January, what is it, 25th, I want to say, uh, for an event called Lyrical Nourishment. Yes, January 25th, Lyrical Nourishment at the Zawiya Perspective in Santa Ana. And you could check my social media for the link to all that. Uh, please do 
uh, come through if you're in the Los Angeles area. And then if you're in the Seattle area, we have uh, a Monday night event where we're doing dhikr and then we're covering Imam al-Haddad's Book of Assistance, one of the great spiritual manuals of the path. And we're doing that at Wasat. And um, I think that's the only um, thing I have. Oh, then uh, the 26th of January, we're going to have Aisha Prime, our sister teacher um, here at Wasat. And then end of February, February 22nd and 23rd, I believe, we're going to be having Dr. Sherman Jackson. So alhamdulillah, we got some good programs coming up here in Seattle. Um, but uh, And in addition to that, if you want to support the podcast, um, as usual, I want to thank everyone who is a monthly supporter. Uh, you're the ones that keep this alive and allow us to do this. Um, you can do so through our Patreon, pathandpresent.com, uh, or patreon.com slash pathandpresent, and uh, you can give as much as you, you want, or as much as you can, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, and all of that goes a long way, alhamdulillah. All right, y'all, uh, praying everyone is in a blessed state, and sending you love and light. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Every letter, every word, and every single sentence has a story like a laws. I pray we implement them. Now I gotta grind hard till we all straight. Or me say you rich, son, if you got faith. You can't know ease if you don't know heartache. And love is so sweet if you only knew the taste. Yeah. Now I gotta grind hard till we all straight. Or me say you rich, son, if you got faith. You can't know ease if you don't know heartache. And love is so sweet if you only knew the taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Much love, much love. <laughs>
And then perhaps we're going to open it up for a bit of discussion. Um, I think uh, Sam might have mentioned this, but you can turn your phones off. We have a very talented camera crew here, so they're going to get it much better than your phones would anyway. And you'll be able to, to see the pictures, audio and video as well. Uh, the conversation portion of this is going to be uh, part of a podcast series. So I have a podcast called Path and Present in which I engage in conversation with people who are mostly in the Muslim community, artists, scholars, intellectuals, activists, etc. Just interesting people trying to highlight what they're doing. And Amir is a prime example of that. So we haven't done it live yet, so this is an experiment, alhamdulillah. So you're all part of this experiment. We'll see how it goes, inshallah. Uh, and I also wanted to mention, we're all going to close at Maghrib, a little bit uh, after Maghrib comes in, and we're going to pray together, inshallah. So you don't have to worry about that if you see the sun setting, alhamdulillah. So inshallah, I'm going to uh, pass the mic to uh, Amir in a second, but I just wanted to open up with a piece that is also a prayer, because anything worth doing is worth beginning with a prayer. And inshallah, the, what I need from you all is to say ameen after every line. And inshallah, we know that one of the secrets of everyone saying ameen is that it is hope that Allah will answer the prayer according to the most sincere heart in the room. So this is a poetic prayer. You guys ready? Bismillah. May your day be filled with love and light. May your wrongs be right. May your songs be tight. May your words give sight. May your newer shine bright. May you always be on the righteous side of the fight. May your lovers be loyal. May your soil be fertile. May your khakis stay creased. May your locks stay oiled. May your plans never get foiled. May your plot thicken. May your chicken be halal. May your style be sufficient. May your soul be free of its prison. May Allah increase you in your vision. May you find everything you've been missing. May you awake for prayer before the sun has risen. When you speak, may your audience listen. May you never feel trapped in the system. May you sire many righteous children who will act on prophetic tradition. May you always have food on your plate. May you learn from every mistake. May you rise above all the hate. And may Allah increase you in your state. May you never pretend that you are what you ain't. May your friends be real and never be fake. May your rent never have to be late. And may your health always be great. May Allah forgive every sin. Now and forever if you fall to begin. And may you always stay close with your kin. And may he make all your enemies friends. May he make reality of your plans. May your present be pleasant. May you have a good end. May your heart be purified of its flaws. And may you act according to the laws that were revealed in the book of Allah. And may he catch you whenever you fall. May the one guide you to the truth. When you doubt, may he show you the proof. May you be like the Ahala Suf with the wisdom of the elders, the energy of the youth. May he accept your prayers and your fast. The very first all the way to the last and remove obstacles that you have. And may you receive everything that you ask. May you never have regret for your past and receive mercy, not the wrath. And as you travel down your personal path, 
may you always have a reason to laugh. I mean, I mean, I mean, give yourself a round of applause. Alhamdulillah. So I just wanted to start with something really quick like that to sink all of our hearts on a dua. And uh, now I want to pass the mic to my brother Amir and uh, share with us whatever you're feeling poetically. And then we can engage in some conversation and then maybe more poetry and we'll see how it goes. Alhamdulillah. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Uh, can I hear me now? Does that sound better? Okay, I'm right on it. Okay. Okay, we're locked in. That sounds nice, huh? Yes? Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wa salatu wassalam ala rasulillah. Peace, everyone. Then that was disappointing. <laughs> Well, I'm doing fine. Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys will do better as the night progresses. Uh, my name is Amir Suleiman, and as you've heard, and I'm uh, very honored and pleased to be here with you, uh, with my brother, uh, Baraka Blue, and my other brother, Sam, and this community that I've heard about, but I've, ever, I've yet to visit, and so I'm, I'm very happy to be here and spend some time with you and to hear from you and to share with you. You know that, um, you know they say that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Perhaps the Lord will come in the things that I write, and the things that we bleed, and the things that we read, and the things we recite. Maybe they're afraid I'll spit fire, and these kerosene streets will ignite, or that I'll spit water, and these barren streets to give life. And I've learned that the thing that pulls the fiend to the pipe is the same thing that pulls the human being to the light. The love of love, a means to cope. So I try to inhale their dreams and exhale hope. Homeboy said, but the people either fill it or don't. So you can inhale their dreams and exhale hope, but you better chew coca leaves and spit out dope. And that reminded me of a passage, and I quote, Allah will not change the condition of a people, and today change the condition was what's within themselves. End quote. Inshallah, I won't falter. Steady rock of Gibraltar, swift traversing waters. Verses I've authored, I offer as a solemn sacrifice upon the altar in order to alter the current conditions of our sons and our fathers. And they say we need more black mayors and black lawyers. I say we need more black John Mayors to win Grammys for singing songs about our daughters because we are caught in a culture of defeatism worshiping victims and martyrs. We are not victims, but victors. We but witness our honor, our brilliance, our resilience, and our beauty as father. Then pimping hoes, tricking dough, Gucci and Prada. From Sile Street to Simpson Road, we are shook in the trauma of terrorism that precedes Al-Qaeda and Osama. Forget Bin Laden, Ben Franklin enslaved my great-great-grandmama, comma, great-great-grandfather, comma, indigenous nations of reservations, comma, but we call in a coma sleep. So the truth will have to come like a thief in the night. But if you're awake, you'll hear it in the things that we write, in the things that we bleed, in the things we recite. And because the truth will come like a thief in the night, being awake, I've learned, 
is the meaning of life. Actually, that, uh, that poem um, I thought about for two reasons. One is to uh, fulfill an oath. I promised I was going to recite that poem tonight. Uh, so I wanted to make sure to do it, and I didn't forget. Um, but also, uh, the first line and the last line of the poem, uh, they say the Lord will come like a thief in the night. First, does everyone know what that's a reference to? Yeah, so that's a biblical reference, the Lord coming as a thief in the night. So I always thought it was a peculiar thing. They describe the Christ as a thief. Um, and the, uh, in the last line, um, so being awake, I've learned, is the meaning of life. Uh, when I think of, um, if, I, if I may give a short explanation, um, when I think of in the biblical context, uh, the Lord being uh, a thief. Obviously, the Bible is not disparaging um, the Christ Messiah, Jesus, peace rest me upon him, um, uh, but rather always extolling him, always saying good things about him. And so it, it, I always, I imagined it, this is just my personal uh, interpretation, that it was uh, to say that um, the returning of the Christ be a miraculous event. Um, but it will, he will return like a thief in the night. Uh, one, the night means the time of obscurity, you know, the time of uh, ignorance or the time that most people are asleep. Uh, hence the last line, so being awake, I've learned is the meaning of life. And, uh, and also that uh, the thief is coming for something very specific, He's not there to, like, have dinner, or he's not there to um, do, uh, be occupied with other things. The thief is coming for something, and he's going to leave. Um, so, so much so that some people could miss it altogether, miss the thief coming at night altogether. And it made me think of uh, how many miraculous things, like the coming of the Christ, but how many miraculous things are happening every day, all the time, but we're just too asleep to know that it happened, you know? Uh, and so being awake, I've learned, is the, is the meaning of life. Uh, so that was the other reason with your, the, uh, and even the name of this podcast, it, uh, it made, me, uh, made me think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's beautiful. And I mean, if we think of the sayings attributed to our beloved Prophet, that people are, uh, sleeping and when they die they wake up yeah, that's it. and also die before you die in other words wake up <laughs> right, that's right. the meaning of life right, 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 right. Uh, and that ties in to you know one of the things that I've been thinking about also you, you see that in that poem but also in, in a number of your other po poems this contrasting uh, pleasure and pain or uh, suffering and great opening, yeah. uh, beauty in breaking, yeah. as you put it. Yeah. And I know that's actually like a very prominent theme in your work. It's one of the most like uh, consistent themes. Yeah, I know that. So uh, maybe you could, if you have anything to share about that. Yeah, that is one of the, uh, 
not just one of the things, uh, most consistent things in my poetry, but also one of the most um, consistent things in my life, uh, learning about life and, and maturing and going through different uh, phases of life, uh, creatively, um, romantically, spiritually, or that I find this correlation, this you know, this um, uh, with, uh, as, as, as Allah is saying in his book, uh, so with every difficulty there is relief. And also that I find the seed to every virtue is planted in the fertile soil of some sort of suffering or something that we dislike. So like in this room here, if we were to say, who's the most courageous person in this room? And courage is a virtue. Uh, we would need danger. Um, there wouldn't even be a way to discover it. It's not even like a secret that someone knows and they can't say. We wouldn't know. There's no way to access it. Uh, who's the most generous person here? We would need poverty here in order for us to know who is the most generous. One, someone who is to receive the generosity. But two, if I have a billion dollars and I give someone a dollar, is it the same as if I have two dollars and I give someone a dollar? Uh, so restriction and poverty are required to, to know generosity. And so, um, uh, Sheikh Ibrahim and Yas, you know, he says, someone, if, someone who knows Ar-Rahman, if you really knew Ar-Rahman, you would face all of your trials a smiling man. Mm. Uh, because like the ayat of Quran where Allah says uh, that he's with the patient, he's with the patient one. Mm. And that's such, it's such a simple ayat, right? Such a simple verse. That Allah is with the patient ones. But that's such a, it's, it's as if to say that, say I, I want something. Say right now, okay, I'm going to demonstrate right now, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this isn't going to be a miracle or anything. It's like, okay, God is with me. I will demonstrate now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no, what I mean to say is like, okay, I want a million dollars. Right now, I, inside of my heart, I want a million dollars. Allah, give me a million dollars. So I have this supplication, I have this desire. The million dollars hasn't appeared yet, so I have to be patient with Allah and how Allah wants to do it, when Allah wants to do it, so on. But while I'm being patient, that means Allah is with me. So me getting whatever I was seeking, it's either I get what I want or I get Allah. So in truth, it's, it's almost once you know that, it's almost a disappointment to get what you like. Mm. To, for the patience no longer to be required, it's almost a bit of a letdown. Mm. Like, oh, God, you're really going to give me exactly what I asked for? Then, you know? Mm. So then when Allah is giving one trials, mm. then you say, ah, this is the company of God. You know what I'm saying? I have hunger. This is the company of God. I have fear. W hunger with patience. Fear with patience. Desire with patience. And Himma, spiritual or financial or whatever, or Himma, um, aspiration, whether spiritual or uh, material or otherwise, uh, whatever I have, I, and I have it with patience, then Allah is with me. If I get pleasure, if I get what I like, if I get what I want, if I get what I ask for, mm. 
Allah may be with me, Allah may not be with me. May Allah be with all of us for all of our days. So the sweetness of suffering, it's not to, um, what do you say? It's not to like romanticize. It's not a romanticization, but just looking at the reality of, of, of it. And there is no spiritual awakening. There's, as you know, I'm big on narratives, you know, um, real narratives like the stories of the prophets and made up narratives like uh, fictional narratives like, you know, Luke Skywalker or, you know, I just saw the, uh, I won't even talk about it because it's, <laughs> it's like a big crime to even mention it in public when everybody hasn't seen it yet. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, you don't find any hero except that they go through suffering. That is where the heroism comes in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even a love story. The, the man wants the woman. The man says, I want you. She says, okay. Where's the story? There's no... We don't even know if the love's real or not. But if she, says, <laughs> if she says no and no and no and no and the parents say no and, you know, she runs away to another land and then, you know, he has to find her and then he has to, like, lose his job that meant everything to him that, and he became poor after being rich and he said, ah, he really loves her now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now we know she, he really loves her. But without that, we can't know the love. We can't know the courage. We can't know the gratitude. We can't know the beauty, except through some something of suffering or something that we don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was the uh, beauty in breaking the wood without lighting? I don't want to butcher it, but <laughs> yeah. I like those lines. Oh, this uh, a poem I have, um, uh, beauty in breaking, of beauty in breaking. Um, there's no way to clothe what I've laid naked. There's no way to hide the burning sun. I'm nearly unconscious, barely existing. Love is pressing me out of living, out of dying. There's no use in resisting. Who would want their heart broken? But now that mine has been split open, I wonder who would want their heart closed, ever? Can you drink from the coconut without striking it? Can you smell the oud without lighting it? There's so much sweetness and violence, so much beauty and breaking. Can you birth without bleeding and crying and screaming and dying? I've been lying, living on the outside of life, mm. bleeding my gums against the coconut shell. Can I say something about the coconut? The coconut is kind of an ugly fruit. This isn't part of the poem. This is <laughs> <laughs> it's an observation. The coconut, I mean, on a spectrum of fruits, it's on the uglier side. I don't want to offend anyone. I got to like, just in case there's any coconuts in the audience. I identify as a coconut. I don't, don't want to, uh, you know, I'm, but a strawberry, it looks delicious. You know what I'm saying? True. An orange, peaches, mangoes, uh, beautiful. An apple is kind of, mashallah. So. But coconuts. Eesh. But but the coconut, who could know what is inside of the coconut? Like, who would know that inside of it, this white, pure, tender flesh in this refreshing drink is inside that coconut? Who would know? The heart is like this. So we spend all, our whole life trying to like preserve our heart from being broken. It's like the grand objective of life. Pervert, preserve the heart at all costs. Mm. Consciously or subconsciously, mostly our life is 
determined on like the desire to be loved, you know? Um, and then secondarily, the desire to love, the need to love. But most of the time, most of us, the desire to be loved is more important than the desire to love. Because it's like, to love is, there's risk, there's danger. But to be loved, you don't have to do anything and you don't have, there's no, there's no risk. You know, it's like, if I text her, and then, like, she doesn't text me back for seven hours. <laughs> seven hours? You was on Instagram, though. <laughs> seven hours, you're not going to text me. Oh, mashallah, okay. So then she texts me back that I'm going to have to wait eight hours. At least I'm going to put her on a timer. Because I can't be caught loving her more than she's loving me. Mm. Uh? Because the ego says, oh, you're going to go for that? then she must be loving you at 82%. So you need to love her at 80%. Mm. And she says, oh, he's loving me at 80%? Mm. Oh, well, we're not going to have that. Girl, you need to love him at 77%. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and so on like this, right? Because we're trying to protect our heart from being broken. But anyway, once the heart breaks, two things happen. One, it's like, oh, I don't have to make my heart whole anymore because it's broken. It's broke. It's finished. It's broke. And uh, you find things inside of it that you never know was there. If you're not in a rush trying to, like, make it, quote, unquote, whole again, you know what I'm saying? If you just let it break, it broke, you know? And so uh, in my breaking, it was like, um, you know, it's like you live in a house for all of your life. And then you come across, like, a door that you never noticed before. And then you open the door, and inside of it, it's like Narnia. It's like a whole land of adventure and things you had never seen before and things. I was like, man, I didn't even know that was in my heart. So who would know it was in the coconut without striking it? But the, the coconut doesn't have a zipper, you know, and the heart doesn't either. It has to be broken to be open. For a heart to remain whole its whole life is a sad thing. It's like an avocado that you let sit on the counter. And I was like, man, that avocado was perfect, and now look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what are you saying? A mango. You have a mango, like, ooh, this mango's going to be so good. But you take too long, and then it spoils. How heartbreaking is that? But w what is the alternative? Matter of fact, this is in the poem, The Love of the Love and the Beloved. I don't have this part memorized, so I can't um, uh, quote it. But... I pick out, uh, I'm, I'm complaining about pain. I'm complaining about the pain of the heart, distance from the beloved, mm -hmm. and the pain that that suffers. And uh, the woman in the poem is advising me and saying, I remember that mango that you picked out in the market, and among all the mangoes, you picked this mango. And you love this mango for its color and for its scent and its promise of sweetness. And, uh, and then did, did she asked, did your love keep it safe? Did your love keep it whole? Or did you put a blade to it? Or even better, did you tear its skin from its flesh with your teeth? Uh, and did you hear the mango complaining, oh, I'm breaking, oh, I'm breaking? But you didn't care because you know that's what a mango is for. Right? Uh, likewise, that's what the heart is for, is to be broken open. That's what the coconut is for, is to be broken open. And it's a shame to watch a coconut rot, to watch an avocado rot, watch a mango rot, you know? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even finish the poem. Okay, so. Uh, 
There's only a few lines left. Uh, not until I smashed my heart and heart against harder rocks did I learn that living is a labor, dying is an art. But make, make no mistake, I am injured, ruptured, my heart a sweet, sun-warmed mango, split open, its juices unruly, flagrant, sultry, fragrant, insane, sacred, noble, and naked, verses like vagrants, strangers in places that were once home. I no longer have one of those. I'm nearly unconscious, barely existing. Love has pressed me out of living, out of dying. There's no use in resisting of beauty and breaking. Mm. Yeah, that's such an interesting reflection, especially because I think we live in a time where um, obviously we have like uh, opioid epidemics and deep depression and people. And if you look in our tradition, you know, two of Allah's names are Al-Qabit wal basit the one who gives qabt wa bast, the one who expands and contracts. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the ways, you know, they talk about on the path that Allah puts, puts you through <coughs> states of expansion, mm -hmm. great joy and great mm -hmm. ecstasy and, and great pleasure, but he also puts you through great contraction and really depression, you could even translate it as, just being constricted. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is if you read the, the manuals of the path from our great masters is they're, they, they actually, it's not about getting rid of that state. Mm -hmm. It's about having adab with Allah in that state. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, uh, there's people that have chemical imbalances and things of that nature. I'm not speaking about that. But I think a lot of what, when we look at the uh, epidemic of opioids and things of that nature, is that people feel like if I'm not feeling good, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. If I'm not feeling happy right now, there's something wrong. And that's, if you look at the great prophets and the great awliya and salihin, they were not happy at all times. Mm -hmm. They were, in fact, the most tested, mm -hmm. right? This is the opposite of the Protestant prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. The most tested are the mm -hmm. most close to Allah. Mm -hmm. That's the affair. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... Yeah, that really comes through in, in your work. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense, you know, like in the context of the verse that I was just mentioning, you know, uh, when it's the way that God deals with his prophets and puts them through uh, the great tests. And um, just as a writer, as a poet, and also as a storyteller, um, uh, for example, we've talked about this uh, quite a bit, that I'm, I'm writing a, a story right now, a, a film, and the main character's name is Yusuf. And um, Yusuf, as the main character, uh, as I find myself writing this character, I put him through hardships. Like, I put him through a great deal of hardships over and over and over and over again because I'm realizing as I'm writing that um, I can't demonstrate anything good about him except that he has trials. Mm -hmm. And I put him through more trials than any other character. But the whole story is about him, and I know him and love him the most out of all of the characters. He's the reason for the story. Um, but because of that, I have to put him through the most tests. So in the act of writing, I've learned how, um, how, how or and or why, maybe, I don't know Allah's, why Allah does a thing, uh, but that his habit of testing his prophets and his most beloved people 
uh, the most because there's no way to demonstrate their virtue, to expose their virtue to others, uh, except that give them trial. Because what if the Prophet Sallallahu peace must be upon him, is saying something about patience? And you could say, what do you know about patience? Allah is giving you everything that you want. Uh, but how about, so that by the time you say that, first, I'm going to have your father die before you're born. And then your mother die when you're young. And your most uh, beloved friend and wife die. And your um, guardian die. And your people kick you out. And for you to be tortured and to be lied upon. And to, so then by the time he says something about patience, we say, ah, he knows something about patience. And even without him having to say it, we can see in the way he's engaging the trials that Allah is putting him to, we can learn for ourselves on how to deal with those matters. And so, yeah, that the, the test and the constriction and the, quote, depression, um, uh, yeah, are, are gates, you know, are gates to God. And once one kind of surrenders to them, I don't know if that's the right word to use, it is, as we were mentioning before, it's like either I get what I want or I get God. The whole affair is beautiful. Like, it's just, it's paradise. It's just all good. Even the harm, it's just all, everything is wonderful. Everything is good. When it's not good, it's even better. And when it's good, it's good. <laughs> and when it's not, it's better, though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you have to fall into it and let it wash over you, and then it'll pass. And then Allah will give you something different. You know? And it's so. interesting because we even intuit that, right? Like, when we look back on our difficult times, the more difficult they are, the more sweetness we have in recalling them, right? It's like the stereotype of the old man, like, back in my day, I used to walk uphill 17 miles to school, and he's happy, like, he's enjoying that because he went through this arduous thing. And I, I think about that all the time, like, you know, to, to use a more, like, contemporary example, it's like, you take someone like Malcolm or MLK, and someone who endured great difficulties and literally gave up their their life, like yeah. the ultimate sacrifice. What if their souls would have been incarnated in like a middle class suburban white household where they inherited the family business and like mm -hmm. yeah. like would they have been mediocre people? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like how else would Malcolm have been Malcolm except for enduring what he endured? You know, exactly. yeah, well, I and and it's a big, um, you know, uh, as they say, you know, Allah doesn't give uh, a white belt a black belt test. Mm. So it's like, mm. like when I was uh, studying jujitsu, and I was taking my belt test, and uh, the the master had me fight his best students, and I was honored. He, his best students, he's going to have me fight his best students. And I'm not confused that he's trying to kill me. I know he's not trying to kill me. He's testing me. And that test, the higher the test was, it was an honor. If he would have sent the white belts to t fight me, I would have been shamed. I would have been embarrassed. I would have been upset. What have I done to offend you? Uh, likewise, Allah is not going to, he's not trying to kill us. I mean, Allah is going to kill us eventually, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not. <laughs> Maybe that's not you, the right. Yeah, mashallah. But the, <laughs> the point is, um, <laughs> the point is that uh, for a believer, as one uh, remains again patient with Allah Taala, and you're with Allah, that whatever test He gives, and even if He tests you with death, 
then he's going to give you the greatest. You know, Allah honored Malcolm. You know what I mean? Rahimullah. Allah uh, honored um, the great uh, martyrs of, of the ages. That's Allah lifted them up. So whatever test, again, as long as just engaging, you know, so being awake, I've learned is the meaning of life. Just remaining awake with Allah, just remembering that this is Allah doing this and Allah doing that. You know, Allah giving me pleasure and Allah causing suffering. This is all Allah. Then it's like, yeah, it's like a black belt test. And he's sending his, oh, you're going to give me a big test? Oh, mashallah. It's like, oh, you're going to give me a flu? MashaAllah. Oh, you're going to give me cancer? Allahu Akbar. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, this yeah. is the black belt test. This yeah. is another level, you know? Uh, may Allah help us. And may Allah... Uh, I'm not um, saying that we don't pray for ease. We all pray for ease. And it's the way of Muhammad to pray for ease for himself and for his uh, followers. Um, but we know that life isn't all ease. So whenever these other things come, we just remember Allah. It sounds almost too cheap and easy or too much of a cliche or type thing. But that's what it is. It's just to be awake with Allah. And that is what carries us through you know, those good times. It makes the, the, I mean, the bad times, it makes the good times sweeter with gratitude, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah mashallah. Um, you know, one of the things I know from spending time with you um, that other people might not know, because I wanted to ask you questions that you wouldn't just get in every, so <laughs> tell me about poems. <laughs> but for you, I know that you you feel you feel deeply you have a conviction that your path your poetry your art is is a higher calling mm -hmm. it's no less of a calling than someone might feel a calling to be a minister or a monk or a nun mm -hmm. like to give your life to this yeah. and it is a higher spiritual calling and i think that might surprise some people, or that might be uh, perplexing to some people who don't necessarily see the function of a poet in the same way that, that you do. So I guess I'm asking you to reflect on that, and what is the function of the poet, and what is that role that you see it for yourself? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, uh, It's not just a hobby or um, just something that... I happen to be good at, and so I decided to do it. Um, it is the meaning of my life, you know, as, as well as I understand it. And um, what I've seen from it uh, already, and the uh, how it's affected my life, how it's I've seen it affect others. Um, and also, you know, again, when we talk about our tradition, and when I say our tradition, um, meaning the Islamic tradition, um, also uh, the African tradition, uh, and also the, you know, uh, pre-Islamic, you know, Arab tradition, and many other traditions around the world, the value of, of language and articulation is, is central, you know? And as far as the spiritual path, it's, it's always been central. It's, uh, it's never been a peripheral affair, you know. It's something that was a means of expression of the path and also instruction mm. 
of the path that it will, you'll be hard pressed to find a traditional book of Islam with no poetry in it. You know, and what poetry allows is a type of speech that can hold meanings that regular speech can't hold. And in that is kind of miraculous because you know, it's Arabic speech and then Arabic poetry. Mm -hmm. Or I'm speaking in English and then I speak in poetry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, what, what about mm -hmm. it is allowing it to carry, to have so much more meaning and feeling? Like, what is it? It's, and it's a mystery. What it, uh, there's some tools, there's metaphor, there's simile, there's rhyme, there's meter, so on. But there's, there's something else on why this can hold the emotive and spiritual power of the speaker in a way that just regular talking cannot. And um, I hope to be one of the bearers of this part of this tradition uh, in the English language and to, um, so that this generation doesn't pass except that there's someone and some ones that are holding up that banner. And um, there's something, um, mystical and just language itself, you know, just, it's a, it's a technology because, you know, it's remarkable because, like, if I'm going to write a poem, well, I can speak for myself and the way my poems come. Uh, first, it comes as a, as a feeling, and not even a feeling that has a name. It's not, like, happy, sad. It's a, it's kind of this nebulous state, and I have a desire to write. And you have this desire, and other people may have this desire, whether it's music or to paint or, or something else. But like if you feel hunger, if you are hungry, you feel it in your stomach. If you um, feel like you have a desire for sex, for example, it has a locale, right? When you feel the desire to write, where is it? But you feel it. But, but where is it happening? We have to say that it's happening and some other part of ourself, some, mm -hmm. uh, some part that's not, that's not this avatar, that's not the mm -hmm. form, uh, a part of ourselves that is connected to something deeper and something that's supra-material, mm -hmm. beyond matter. Um, so I have this state, this feeling, and then I want this state to show up in your heart yeah. the same way but it doesn't have a name, like sending an email. Mm -hmm. So I have a JPEG in my heart, and then I want it to appear in your heart the same way I have it in my heart. Yeah. Then I have to code language, which language by itself is regular language. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle, because it's like I, E, U, B, T, K, right? Yeah. And then you laugh or cry yeah. or feel inspired. It's yeah. like I arranged these sounds yeah. in a way that derive meaning enough to change your life, yeah. to, to, or, or to harm people, to kill people, to destroy people, yeah. or to raise people up to witness God. You know what I'm saying? So this technology, and I have to kind of paw around in the dark for this code that intuitively I know is going to be able to um, make this journey. And sometimes... I write in a way that it falls totally short, and, the, and no one, what are you even talking about? Yeah. You know, and sometimes poetry's like that. Then sometimes I just make it to the ear. I, like, I heard what he was saying, but, yeah, 
maybe to the mind, where it's like, okay, I understand this word meant this, and then he's telling a story about his childhood. God, yeah, but whatever. And then sometimes, if you're, mashallah, this is a miracle, yeah. you arrive at the heart with what you made that great pilgrimage with, with, with all the meaning that you had, and you arrive in another heart. But then to arrive in two hearts, or three hearts, or a hundred hearts, or a thousand hearts. So someone like Stevie Wonder writes a song and arrives in a hundred million hearts. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. This is a miracle from God. This is a miracle. So uh, as poets, we're just trying. We're trying to, you know, we're falling short. We're hitting the mark. We're missing the mark. We're here, there. Um, but this art form, for lack of a better term, as a spiritual matter, is important, and not for it to be left just as a that kind of the trivial, just my just me expressing myself, or just just yes, uh, yeah. you know that's part of it. You know that 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 feeling and that catharsis and that that's mashallah is part of it. But um, there's a deeper spiritual divine reality at play, you mm. know, uh, as well. You know, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, I'm reminded of a Thomas Merton quote, and I think maybe you'd have some interesting reflections on it. Uh, I think I've shared it with you before. But he said, most poets are not real poets. Mm. For the same reason that most religious men are not saints. Mm. They never succeed at being themselves. Mm. They never succeed at being the particular poet or the particular uh, man, religious man or woman called for by all the circumstances of their lives. Mm. They waste their days trying to be some other poet or some other saint or write someone else's poems or have someone else's experiences. Mm. Maybe you c I'd love to hear yeah, you reflect man. on that. Inshallah. So, uh, Miles Davis also says, um, it could take a long time to learn to sound like yourself. Yes. You know? It's... Uh, you know, arriving, um, arriving at oneself, and as uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, as recorded as saying that, you know, to know oneself is to know one's Lord, you know? And uh, so the road to knowing God and the road to knowing oneself is uh, we're on both of these tracks at the same time, you know? Uh, and it would seem that we're going in opposite directions, but it's, it's, it's the same direction. And um, so... When I talk about that nebulous state, you, you have to really know yourself even just to get there. What am I feeling? I mean, we go and sit with therapists just to answer that question. Not even how to fix it or make it better. Like, just what is happening inside of me right now, you know? Why do I feel anxious or why do I feel this? or what? So just to get to know oneself is, uh, is a great accomplishment, you know? Um, and then to be able to be sincere and to be as you are. But if you are able to do that, then you will both become a great saint and a master poet. Uh, because uh, that's the, the, um, the, the most important delivery um, technology is sincerity itself. Mm. You know, because there are people, and we know people like this, so there's people that have great capacity with language. But it's just acrobatics. It's just, okay, yeah, oh, that, that was clever, and oh, that was nice. It's like watching a gymnast. 
Like you're doing all this moving around, but you haven't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're not traveling. But that was a nice flip. Right. I can't do that flip. You know what I'm saying? That was impressive. Uh, it's different than a person who's in hi- a hiker. The gymnast might be more entertaining to watch, but the gymnast doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but the hiker is not as entertaining, but he'll go a great distance. Um, so sometimes, and the prophets are like this, their language, very simple, very simple, but profound. You know what I'm saying? So, but the sincerity and the knowledge of themselves allows them, with very few words, it's simple words that everybody can understand. Whether you have this education, it'll still, you can still um, chew on it, ruminate on it for a long time. And if you're a child, you'll understand sufficiently as well. Uh, but another person who may have all kind of ideas in their mind, but haven't yet arrived even in their own heart, and they can do a lot of, you know, oh, this trick and that trick and this trick and that trick. You know, uh, so like Muhammad Ali, for example, who, you know, the shortest poem, you know, me, we. MashaAllah. <laughs> if you wanted to, we could talk to Fajr about that. Yeah. Me, we. Huh? Yeah, we could talk about the nafs. We could talk about illusion. We could talk about the oneness of all of creation. We could talk about the oneness of God. We could talk about love. We can talk about loving thy neighbor. We could talk about identity. We could talk about just in that. That's two words. Huh? Another person may ha- have a whole bunch of words and there's nothing in it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, becoming oneself, a person can live their whole life trying to become themselves, you know? And, uh, and may we all arrive at that place and to know ourselves. And by extension, we will know the one who created us. Amen. And that's one of the beautiful things. And I think, you know, if you look at... You know, Imam Ali has this amazing saying. He said, you think yourself an insignificant thing, but the entire cosmos is enfolded within you. And Mawlana Rumi said the same thing, but in different language. He said, you think yourself just a drop in the ocean, but you're also the entire ocean in a drop. Mm, And like you said, the beautiful saying of the Prophet, who knows himself, knows his Lord. There's There's a reality to this, that the human reality is profound. And, you know, across traditions, you hear the image of an ocean, like we are an ocean. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us spend most of our time at the surface of our being. And that's what I think about great poets, uh, great mystics, great scholars. And I don't just mean people that read a lot of books, but people that realize their knowledge experientially. Mm -hmm. They're the deep divers. They develop the lung capacity to go deep within the human condition and then to come to the surface and bring the lutluwa marjan, the the pearls and the coral and the skeletons and the sunken ships and all that's Mm -hmm. down there for those of us that aren't yet prepared to go deep, but it encourages us to go deep. And, and, And it's a deep thing that, like you say, you have to trust if you're gonna write a poem or you're gonna, you know, uh, do a piece of art, that there's a place in me that's also in you. Yeah. That I'm experiencing something that you are also going to experience. And that's a profound thing. One other thing that I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, knowing you for, I think, a decade or more, 
uh, you could look at your trajectory as an artist and say that uh, topically it's changed some. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I've heard people even say something to the effect of, you know, it used to be more political, mm -hmm. more social critique, mm -hmm. more, you know, revolutionary. And now I saw this love talk. <laughs> and now I saw this spiritual. Now I saw this, the, the heart this, the heart mm -hmm. that. Um, but I think it's more complex than that because mm -hmm. I listen to you closely. So mm -hmm. I'd just love to hear you reflect on your own trajectory. Yeah, um, you know, throughout my writing, and again, and, uh, to say part of what I'm doing is I'm trying to take what is inside of me out of myself so I can look at it, so I can know myself, you know? So part of my poetry is a communication to myself, with myself. Uh, it's as if to say um, I have a heart, um, but I've never seen it, you know? Or I have an, uh, an appendix, uh, but I've never seen it. And if some, something was wrong, they may have to cut me open and, and take it out and, and look at it and so on. And so uh, this, you know, <laughs> sometimes I say to write sincere poetry is to perform open heart surgery on yourself without anesthesia in public. Um, it's, you know, and in public, meaning for people to critique, you know, like you take your heart out of your body. And someone says later, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it was cool, but it was a little more bloody than I liked. And like, <laughs> you see with the rug and, you know, his aorta was a little on the big side. And I just, I was weirded out by that. And <laughs> you, know what you know what I mean? So and people, you know, after you take your heart out of the chest for people to have an opinion, which is natural, you know, all of it is real, you know. Um, uh, but the, the, the nakedness that's required to do it, you know, real, to do it right, you know. Uh, I also say to uh, be a poet is not that much different than being a stripper, you know what I'm saying? Like you get naked in public so for money. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is happy that I chose the path of a poet instead yeah. of, <laughs> and maybe all the rest of you are too, like. I made the right career move. <laughs> but anyway. Two birds, <laughs> <in> <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a bad influence on the kids. Kids don't strip. <laughs> right? Become write poets. Poetry. <laughs> it's dead. If you ever have the impulse, write some poetry. You want to get naked. <laughs> <laughs> That's so inappropriate. Uh, oh, man, what was I even saying? Um, Oh, so, you know, so I'm, so I'm learning about myself, you know, as I'm going. And, you know, um, as a youth, and often I think with a lot of youth, and you see this in youth poetry in general, that a lot of it was um, out of trying to process negative emotions. So I, could, I only used to be able to write when I was sad or I was angry or things like that. For a good, I've been writing since I was a kid, so a good portion of my... Uh, writing was like that. Well, before that, my writing was produced from hip-hop, you know? So first, most of my writing was just about how I'm better than everyone else writing. So that was like the first subject matter <laughs> of, of my, you know what I'm saying, uh, of my body of work. Um, and then after that, I, I, was, I became kind of dissatisfied with that pretty um, early on. And I was like, man, you know, is that all I'm going to talk about? Just clever, different ways of saying I'm better than everybody else? 
So I was like, well, what, you know, asking myself the questions when I was 14, 15 years old, like, well, what, what do I really care about? What do I really think about? Uh, and, you know, then I started to write about, like, my inner state and things I was afraid of or things that made me angry or upset or, or made me sad. Um, and I could only write in that vein for a good chunk of time. And then that expanded beyond myself to society, like what in society I felt like was wrong and needed yes. to be made right. And then the poetry, people would consider that more like political poetry or stuff like that. Um, but then it went from my ideas about oppression and liberation also changed. Um, and I realized how much power I had which, um, and how much in the game of power, you know, in the game of trying to, one group trying to get power and another group having power and so on and so forth, that in many ways it's just a, it's just a spinning wheel. Um, that I say, you know, if I'm op willing to oppress myself by doing wrong things, by being a slave to my desires, uh, then even if I were to get all the power that I'm asking for and fighting for, I will simply just be another version of what I was trying. If I'm willing to oppress myself, I'll be definitely willing to oppress other people for sure. Um, so then I started to think about uh, myself more in that kind of way. And so th there was a lot of jihad nafs poetry. Um, and then realizing that the real objective, man, is love. You know, That's what everyone is really trying to do on a deep level is to be loved, i.e. accepted, i.e. seen, i.e. heard, um, uh, um, i.e. protected, taken care of, so on. And so what people are lamenting about is that really in truth. And so my liberation work uh, became more centered in love. You know, and that's not to leave off any of the socio, political, economic strategies by which to um, secure the the rights of, of people. It's not like adverse to that or other than that. Uh, but the intention in it and what I'm my, my end goal is um, is love. Uh, that and I developed a relationship. Although I've been Muslim my whole life developed a relationship with the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him and his family. Um, and I loved him. I knew him, quote unquote, before. And I followed him and practiced the sunnah as best as I could and, you know, all of those things. But I realized I didn't have a love. Uh, and then once I had a love, the whole affair of religion was different. You know, like, say, for example, if there's a man who's married, he's in love with his wife, and um, they go to, after Juma every Friday, go to this Italian restaurant. They go to the restaurant. They have a little corner booth. They always sit in the same place. She always orders the chicken Alfredo. He always orders the lasagna. She orders a orange Fanta with a bendy straw. That's her thing. Every Friday like this. Week after week, month after month, year after year. And she dies. And he's heartbroken, obviously. 
It's Juma. He goes to the Italian place. He sits in the same booth that she sat in. He orders the chicken Alfredo, the Sprite with a bendy, Fanta with a bendy straw. No one says, why are you being so extreme? Why don't you just use a regular straw? Because he's in love. Why are you being so, do you have to sit in this place? Yes, because she sat in that place. Yeah, but there's other places to sit. No, I want to sit where she sat. I want to eat what she ate. I want to drink what she drank. I want to, because I'm in love. If in the affair of love, anyone would be embarrassed if they have a heart. They would be embarrassed to correct that person or to disparage that person because it's, it's an act of love. Likewise, the followers of Muhammad, do you have to brush your teeth like this? Do you have to enter your house like that? Do you have to say this word? Do you have to do this? Why do you have to dress like that? Do you have to, I mean, you know. And it's like, okay, maybe I don't have to. Maybe. I don't even care if I have to or not. I, I'm in love. He's not thinking his wife is going to haunt him or something if he doesn't get the bendy straw. You know what I'm saying? If that's not even part of his calculation. It, it is an, it's a love affair. You can't blame the lovers. You can't blame the lovers. If you have a heart, imagine there was a person there. Maybe it's his first day. He said, uh, we don't have the chicken Alfredo. We have this shrimp Alfredo. Mm. The other people say, eh. Find some chicken. Find some chicken. <laughs> he needs it. We need to go get straws. We, need, we don't have Fanta. Don't ask him if he wants ginger ale. Yeah. This is not, you know. Likewise, the lovers of Muhammad, meaning, in one way I mean it that way. You can't fault that person. But in another way, it becomes easy. Is that a labor for him? Does he say, oh, God, I got to go to this Italian restaurant. I can only get the bendy straw. I can only order the chicken Alfredo. I really want the filet mignon, but I guess I got to do it because she liked to do it. No, it's not a labor. Before when I would practice the sunnah, it was a labor. Oh, I got to do this. Fiqh is like too much. Fiqh is hard. Islam is hard, man, for me. But once I learned something, I tasted something of the affair of love, it become sweet. The man, doesn't, the man isn't, doesn't feel labored. He doesn't feel encumbered by the memory of his wife. It, he, it gives him joy every time he can do something, how she did it. It gives him joy. It relieves him of suffering, you know? Alhamdulillah. And then when I come to learn the sunnah like this, then my standing and my sitting, my sleeping, my, the way I engage with my wife, the way I engage with my children, how I spend my money, how I move my body, the words that I use, what hand I eat with, it's, it's a love affair. And every time I do it and I remember, it relieves me of the suffering of distance from my beloved, So that became the place that I am now. And what comes after this, Allah knows best, but the, my poetry reflects that journey of who myself is. From this very small self, I'm a better rapper than everybody else, mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to this larger self of all of society, and you know what I mean? Uh, and then to the magnanimous self, the great heart of Muhammad, sallallahu uh, peace best be upon him and his family. And so that is my self. You know, that is the self I'm seeking to discover. And that self keeps expanding. And, you know, I pray Allah that it just keeps expanding until he takes me. You know, you know, yeah, you MashaAllah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, you reminded me of uh, 
our, our dear master, Rabbi Al-Adawiyah. Mm-hmm. She's one of the masters of love. And we visited her when we were recently in Jerusalem. Her, She's buried there. Mm-hmm. Her maqam is there. And she was known to have such a profound love for God mm-hmm. that she used to say, she said, Oh God, if I worship you for fear of your hellfire, mm-hmm. then throw me in your hellfire. Mm-hmm. And if I worship you for desire for your paradise, then bar its gates from me. Mm-hmm. But if I worship you for you alone, then unveil yourself to me. Allah. I mean, you know, and that's the affair. And that's, that's, that, is this, that is the deen. There's levels. Of course. And there's, yes, they say certain people worship God like slaves. They, they, they're afraid that if I do wrong, I'm going to, to get punished. Right. And other people, they worship God like merchants. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to wake up for fudger because I'm trying to get that tree in paradise <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. And other people, they worship God because of love. Mm-hmm. And those are the free people, free servants. Mm-hmm. Like they freely will to be servants. I remember one time it was, uh, it was Eid. Where was I? I think I was in Atlanta. This was years and years ago. And it was Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia, it was the Eid, and all the Jamaats had come together. So there were like, you know, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or thousands of people in this big uh, gymnasium that we rented to have the, have the Eid prayer. I remember the, 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 the imam, he made that dua. And uh, I was like, man, you can't make that dua for everybody, man. <laughs> I was like, some people just try to avoid hell, man. Like, don't tell them. To say I mean, Allah's gonna throw them in hell if they're afraid of hell. They're afraid of hell. Keep them safe from hell. I was like, yeah, that's for a particular type of, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's one of those don't try it at home. <laughs> do exactly, I? Exactly. Yeah. Because I don't know. I might say I have some desire for the Jannah in uh, me, so yeah. I, I can't make that dua. But uh, I'm yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. Allah help us. Allah help us. Um, uh, <laughs> since you mentioned the Prophet, Sallam, did you want to recite a portion of the. Yes, inshallah ta'ala. And, I and actually, we're going to close. It seems like we just got started. It's already time I to know. Go. It's already so, almost know. time for more good Yeah, we got to pray. But um, yeah, so maybe this will be a nice thing to uh, uh, begin to close out with. Um, so this is a poem. It's called The Lover, the Love, and the Beloved. And this is a poem I've been writing for over nine years now. And uh, the poem itself is it's a, it's a very long poem. But... I'm just going to recite a portion of it. You are the sun at noon. You are the calf in the noon. You are the bat in the seen and the seen and unseen. You are a shoreless sea. You are a nightless day. You are the meaning of being with the angels we pray. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Fatih lima uglika wa khatim lima sabakana surahak bilhaq walhadi ila suratak mustakim wa ala ali haqqa kajrihi wa migdalih al-azim I gained your love and then I lost my mind what a bargain I love you impossibly I would trade my eyes to see you. I would trade my limbs to hold you. I love you impossibly. 
you are more worthy of love than I am. Yet you are more loving than I am. You loving me, making me more than I am, as if you are loving a me who is more than I am. What will you tell me? A flaw for my beloved? Are you looking for the desert in the sea? Are you looking for water on the sun? Moses with his staff split the sea. You with your finger split the moon. Ibrahim built the Kaaba with his son, but you are the Qibla by yourself. Yusuf's beauty drove Zuleika from her bed. For you, she would have thrown herself into the well. If Allah made the fire cool for his friend, then he'll make the hellfire freeze for his beloved. Me seeking to praise you is to throw a handful of dust into the desert to increase its vastness. It is to spit into the sea to increase its value. It is to light a candle to support the sun. But may God be my witness that this poor poet attempted what his unremembered memoir recited from a dismembered member of a heart broken, a mind bewildered, a heart more beaten than beating. Love did not descend upon his heart with a slow, long drip of cool honey. No. Love set upon his heart like a flesh-hungry flame. No. Love set upon his heart like a pack of wild wolves. Do you not see their bellies fat for my flesh? Do you not see my blood in their teeth? Let their red grin be as evidence that it is not that I was always heartless. I used to be able to love he, she, they, and them. But now my heart has been consumed by a ravenous love that devours anything other than itself. I have fallen in love. I have not fallen for what is beautiful. I have not even fallen for beauty itself. I have fallen for the wealth from which beauty drinks. I have fallen into the wealth from which beauty drinks. And it was Tijani, Inyas, and Sisei, like Joseph's brothers, who cast me into its bottom. But this well's darkness is brighter than the sun's light. So let the king of Egypt throw down his rope. I will throw the rope back and tell him he is trying to sell me his junk for my jewels. He's trying to trade me his dirt for my diamonds. Why be with the one who has the keys to the grains when I'm with the one who has the keys to the garden? Let this poem's parchment be as Joseph's garment. Put it beneath my nose to heal my blindness. Put it beneath your nose to heal your blindness, for I've wet myself blind, seeking to find it. I'm running between hilltops, searching for a sign of you, running to and fro between suffer and Marwa, between sweetness and suffering, between loving and longing, with a loving that empties and a love that fills. Beloved, just give me some hope that one day I will drink from your palm, that I will smell your neck, my heart is already in your hands. Your breath is already in my mouth. For these words, they'll celebrate me. But in truth, these words humiliate me. I'm a poet, a poet without the words. And what is a poet without the words? Except for a tree without the limbs, a fire without the light. You are a sea without the shore, a day without the night. For these words, they'll celebrate me. But in truth, these words humiliate me. I've spilled water in my hand to express the ocean. I've struck a match to express the sun. My words can't match your worthy, and my love can't match your lovely. You are immense. 
I am a mess. But beloved, what can a poet bring his prophet? What can a pauper bring his king? Except that you are already the sun at noon. You are the calf in the noon. You are the bat in the seen and the seen and unseen. You are a shoreless sea. You are a nightless day. You are the meaning of being with the angels we pray. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Al-Fatihilima uglika wa khatimilima. Sabaka nasro hakbal hakbal hati ila. Saratakam mustaqim wa ala ali haqqa kajrihi wa migdal al-azim. Subhana rabbika rabbi zitimasifun. As-salamu ala muslim. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Beautiful. Uh, you want to close with that one or you got anything else? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to recite after that. Muhammad. So, alhamdulillah, I, I want to thank you all. We're going to close because of Maghrib. Inshallah, we'll pray. Uh, we get to pray. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that need to make wudu, there's uh, bathrooms back there. And uh, alhamdulillah, I don't know all the announcements. I think Sam hopefully went over them. But for those that uh, came a bit late, Wasit has a lot of events coming up with Ramadan coming up. Um, inshallah, <clears throat> we, we're going to be doing a series of talks starting this Wednesday the 1st called uh, Knowledge of Self with Myself, Inshallah. And we're going to explore many of these topics that we talked about today. And the first guest next Wednesday is going to be uh, Imam Dawood Yasin who many of you know, mm-hmm. uh, from the Bay Area, from Zaytuna College. And uh, he's a very insightful person, so he'll be our special guest for next Wednesday. So please come out for that, inshallah. Um, and I know we have iftars every Wednesday during Ramadan, right? And we have events on Sundays. Do we have any other announcements? Are we good? Yes, please. Bismillah. So, guys, you know that um, Wasat is a community, and this is a point in many events when we often ask for your support. What we're going to ask you for tonight is your help. If you have time and energy available during Ramadan, all those events uh, that my brother just mentioned and that you can look up on our website, wearewasat.org, take a village, really, to make them happen. Uh, we do need more volunteer help during Ramadan, so please go to the website. There's a volunteer form there, and if you're able to help out with one or more of those events, please do sign up there. We would love to have you be a part of the community in that, uh, that deeper way that, that serving as a volunteer can do. So that's our, that's our request for this evening. Uh, with that, I'll turn it back over. And, uh, everyone, please do make your way to uh, do wudu and get ready for prayer if, you're, if you need to. Bismillah. Bismillah, we'll close, inshallah, with Surah Al-Asr. Thank you.